If you have your Bibles open to Deuteronomy chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 9 this morning. So I want to ask you to stand as we hear read together the word of the living God. Deuteronomy chapter 9, beginning, chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, this is the word of the Lord. It's Moses speaking, and he says, At that time I said to you, You are too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. The Lord your God has increased your numbers, so that today you are as many as the stars in the sky. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. But how can I bear your problems and your burdens and your disputes all by myself? Choose some wise, understanding, and respected men from each of your tribes, and I will set them over you. And you answered to me what you propose to do is good. And so I took the leading men of your tribes, wise and respected men, and appointed them to have authority over you as commanders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and as tribal officials. And I charged your judges at that time, hear the disputes between your brothers and judge fairly, whether the case is between brother Israelites or between one of them and an alien. Do not show partiality in judging. Hear both small and great alike. Do not be afraid of any man, for judgment belongs to the God. to God. Bring me any case too hard for you, and I will hear it. And at that time, I told you everything you were to do. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask now that as you promised that you would bless the reading and hearing of your holy word, we thank you for it. Father, truly, it is the bread of life to us as we read your truth, as we discover uh, your character and your will for us. And so we pray now that as we are here together through the power of your spirit, you would feed and nourish our souls Father, that through the power of your word and the power of your spirit, you would bring real transformation to our hearts and our lives. So we commit ourselves now to you and to the work of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we come once more this week to these verses, Moses here is reviewing for the people uh, more of their history an event that happened nearly 40 years ago. After the Israelites were safely out of Egypt, when that great drama and all that excitement had ended, they had to begin to live life on their own, outside of Egypt, away from its laws, away from its rulers, away from its structures, away from its customs, everything. God was leading them through Moses. God was leading them through that cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, But at this time, their community, their covenant community, had no structure. Because the event that Moses is relating took place before Mount Sinai, before the giving of the Ten Commandments, before God gave them the law to know how to structure themselves. And so, before all that happened, this was their practice. And this is going back to Exodus chapter 18. This is what happened. Moses would take his seat, and he would serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him. From morning till evening. That was Moses' life. Morning till evening. Day after day after day. Listening to the complaints and the problems and the disputes of the people. Who, don't forget, at this time numbered more than a million. Now look in verses 9 and 12. And we read there the reaction. Moses' reaction to his life as it was shaping up before him. Verse 9. He says, I said to you at that time, you are too heavy a burden for me to carry on my own. 
And then in verse 12, Moses says, How can I bear your problems and your burdens and your disputes all by myself? Can you imagine? What a dramatic moment this must have been for the people to hear Moses, their leader, making this confession before them. To hear Moses say, you're too much. I can't do this. I can't do this. From the man who stood before the powerful Pharaoh of Egypt and made demands of him, said, you you have to release your labor, your slave labor force of a million people. Let them go. I can't do this. I can't do this from the man who struck the Nile River and it turned to blood. I can't do this from the man of whom the Lord said, Moses, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. Was he like God to the people as well? I can't do this from the man who raised his staff and stretched out his hand and the Red Sea divided two walls of water so that the people passed through on dry ground. Wow. Moses had to be the most powerful, the greatest man these people had ever seen. And that's why they came to him day after day after day with every complaint, with every problem, because they believed that Moses, with his direct connection to God, could fix every problem. But this great man says, you are too heavy a burden for me. I cannot carry it alone. As great as Moses was, and he was great, he was still just a man. A man that could be overburdened. A man who finally had to admit, I can't do this alone. And so you and I, as we read this passage, as we talk about it, should ask why. Why did God allow this situation to develop? What is it that God wanted Moses to learn about himself, the people to learn about themselves, What did he want them to learn about him as their God? More importantly, what do you and I need to learn about ourselves, about God, in this God-ordained event? Remember this, that the whole process of Moses leading the people out of the slavery of Egypt and into freedom and to the promised land, it's a physical demonstration of salvation. It is that God will just as certainly And just as faithfully bring his people out of the bondage of slavery and into his kingdom. And so, what's God teaching here to Moses, to the people, to you and me? I know this is true. Even the greatest man isn't great enough. And the strongest man isn't strong enough. And the wisest man is not wise enough to be independent of God. And that this burden was too great for Moses to carry served to demonstrate his humanity, his mere mortalness, and the limitation that Moses experienced just because he was a human being. And so through allowing this burden, God demonstrated to that entire community gathered there on the shores of the promised land how he had designed them. They were not designed to live life a life of independence, they were not designed to carry their burdens alone. And so in the man, Moses, God gave us a type of Christ. It's true. In so many ways, he was like Christ as he led his people out of slavery, as he guided them, as he faithfully preached the word of God to them. And yet though Moses was like the Messiah, Moses was not himself the Messiah. He was a very great man, 
who despite his greatness, desperately needed an even greater Messiah. Just as every human being who has ever lived desperately needs the Messiah. No exceptions. And so God is demonstrating to Moses and to the people their deepest, truest need. What they need is a burden lifter, a burden carrier. And so look what God has provided for for you and for me to meet this great need. If you'll turn there in your pew Bible, if you're using that, if not, Isaiah 53. And you know this passage well, and maybe you have memorized it yourself. But it's on page 523 in the pew Bibles. And this passage is speaking of Christ, the coming Messiah. Isaiah 53, look in verse 4. Surely he took up, lifted up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, Jesus is our great burden carrier. He allowed himself to be burdened, weighed down by our sin. He had no sin of his own ever, none to carry. He was free, his spirit free, free of sin. But he allowed our sin, yours and mine, the sins of the world, to be piled on him. 1 Peter 2, 22. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live to righteousness by his wounds, you have been healed. Is that good news? God knows the burden of sin is too great for us. It is too great for us. Sin crushes us. It crushes the very life out of us. And the more we sin, the worse we feel, and the lower we sink. And let me tell you, that is not what God wants for any one of us. And so he, God himself, of his own free will, came in the flesh. Why? So that he could lift that burden from us, carry away the burden of sin, so that we can get up and breathe and live. You couldn't have life. I couldn't have life if he didn't give it to us. You would be crushed. I would be crushed if he didn't lift off the burden of sin and put it on himself. But he does that. He does lift that burden so that we can be free. Romans 6.18, you have been set free from sin. Jesus says in John chapter 8, I'll tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus sets us free from the burden of sin. How do you picture freedom of release. How do you picture it in your mind? A balloon released, floating quietly up into the sky, 
uh, 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 cage uh, open, a door open on a cage, and, and, and a bird flying out, soaring up, and dipping down. How do you picture freedom? A horse, gate left open, galloping across the meadow. How do you picture freedom, release? What does it look like? What does it look like for you to have an unburdened spirit? What does it look like for you to have an unburdened heart? Because that's what you and I are to have. And so we need to take some time and say, what does that look like? What does it look like to have a spirit set free by Jesus? What does it look like in your life? And can other people see? Can they see that your burden has been lifted and that you have been set free? Christians, you and I, ought to be the most light-hearted people in the world. We should be. And what a powerful testimony that can be to others to live around or to live with or to work beside a believer in Christ who has truly given every burden over to the Lord for him to carry away. To see your light-heartedness and your joy, even in the midst of difficult or painful situations, you will bless them. You will bless those people when you tell them it's Christ. He's the one who has set me free. And so the question is, what burdens are you carrying? What burden are you carrying that you need to release to the Lord? Particularly, if you're here and you are a believer in Christ, you know, we are notorious. We are. Christians are notorious for at least appearing to be the most burdened, sad people in the world. You know, it's true of us. And then when someone becomes a believer in Christ, a a new believer, and they have all this joy, I'm free, I'm free in the Lord. There are other Christians on hand to take care of that problem. And we start burdening, oh, now you got to do this, and now you got to do this, and you got to go here, and you got to do this, and you got to do this, and this, and this. And the burden becomes greater and greater and greater, and the joy is sapped out of their lives. Well, let me just say that... Inasmuch as we do that, we are not living by the gospel. Suddenly we start working really hard and we start doing lots of stuff. When we become believers, why? Why do we do that? Is it to earn the favor of the God that we already have in, in Christ? If you are one of those really hardworking, and I know some of you, hardworking uh, Christians, uh, is it a burden to you? Do you find joy in all those things that you have to do? And what do you fear might happen if you stop? Now, that's a scary thing for a preacher to say, because suddenly everybody's like, no, I don't want to do it anymore. But what do you fear would happen if you stopped? How might God react? What will your standing be with him? Just the same. Because listen, he never lifted your burden from you in the first place because of what you did to deserve it. That's not why he lifted your burden from you. He lifted your burden for exactly the opposite reason. Because like Moses, you finally came to the point in your life where you said, I can't do this. Psalm 101 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. (laughs) Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. We all need to go home this afternoon and examine our lives. If the joy is not there, If the lightheartedness is not there, if the singing heart is not there, if the freedom of sins forgiven and taken away is not there in our relationships and even in our service to the church, something's not right. It's not. 
In some way, we are not living in light of the gospel. The person who has asked Jesus to carry away the burden of sin should be the happiest, most joyful person in the world. If you're here this morning and you've never turned to Christ as the only one, absolutely the only one who can deal with your sin problem and the burden of it and the guilt of it that you experience, there is no real help for you if you haven't turned to Christ and you have to keep carrying your own burden. But the good news is, and this is why the gospel is good news, there is help for you, even right now, in this moment, if you will admit your need. If you will, in humility, and believe me, it takes great humility to make this confession, if you say, I can't, because you know what? The Lord is ready to say, that's okay, because I can And he is ready to remove that burden of sin and carry it away. Remove the guilt that you carry. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. It's true. Let's move on this morning. And I want us to look at what the Lord did to actually relieve this burden from Moses. When all this was going on 40 years before, when Moses' burden was the greatest, his father-in-law, a man named Jethro, came from a place called Midian to visit Moses in the desert because Jethro had heard everything that God had done for Moses and his people. And so he came to check it out. And when Jethro came, he had an advantage that no one else had. He had an advantage that you only get one time, and that's it. And that is the first impression from an outsider's perspective. You only get that one time. First impression from an outsider's perspective. And so he looked and he observed. And he watched Moses sitting there from morning till evening. And he watched all these people gathered around him day after day. And so he asked Moses, why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Now look, Moses had a good reason. Moses had a noble reason. Moses even had a spiritual reason for what he was doing. He answered, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. That's a good thing. But Jethro answered, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear themselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. And the word that Jethro uses there for wear yourself out in Hebrew means to wither. You will wither. You will decay. You will crumble. You will sink. You will languish. That's what Jethro was saying would happen to Moses. And again, that's not what God wants for his servants, for his people. He doesn't want us to wither and decay and crumble and languish. But that's not God's way. That's not his desire for our our lives. And so let's be clear about that. God wants his people, all of them, you and me included, to be cared for. To the God who knows all things, a sovereign God that not even a sparrow falls from the sky apart from his will, none are to fall through the cracks. Or to go unnoticed. God cares for his people. God cares for us. God cares for you. And he cares for us 
by giving us each other. And so it was Jethro that came up with the plan that Moses implemented, about which we read in verse 13. You know, you heard it. He was to appoint leaders, respected men, over the thousands and the hundreds and the fifties and the tens. See, by God's design, no one was to be lost in the crowd. And so they're broken up into these groups. This is how God cared for his people. This is how God ensured that no one would be lost in the shuffle that everyone was accounted for. Look, if you're in a group of a thousand people, you may be lost in that crowd. If you're in a group of a hundred, you may get lost in that crowd or a group of 50. But if you're in a group of 10, if you're in a group of 10 people, what burden can go unnoticed? What joy could go uncelebrated? It can't. Not when you are in a group that small and that intimate. And, and so when we do it God's way, we are cared for. And that's why, look, we're always talking about community groups here at Redeemer. And that's not to burden you. That's not to give you something else to do on another night of the week. We, we, we do that for exactly the opposite reason. To help you carry burdens. It's hard to carry burdens that people don't know about. And maybe right now you don't have any burdens. You're not in a community group. Nobody really knows you. You don't really know anyone else. And that's okay with you. But let me tell you this. When a burden comes to your life unexpectedly, one you didn't anticipate, and you look around and you suddenly realize, I don't really know anybody to call on and no one really knows me, then you're going to feel the crush of that burden all alone. But God has a different way, a better way. And His way is that we care for one another. And so what we see in this instance is that by God's design, God carries the burden through other people. No one else can help you with the sin problem. Only Jesus can do that. But the other burdens that you carry in your life, the Lord gives us each other. Let me tell you, we are all in this together. You've got this. We're all in this together, and guess what? None of us is going to get out alive. It's true. We're all in together. None of us is going to get out of this alive. And we may think that God only carries our burdens by doing something miraculous. The burden of sickness taken away by miraculous healing. A financial burden taken away by miraculous provision of money. Whatever it may be. And God can do that. And God sometimes does do it that way. But in a very practical, everyday way, God carries our burden through the family of believers in which he places us. By God's design, by God's design, you and I need each other. You know what? If we, if we just go back to the beginning, back to creation, God created every day. And at the end of every day, he looked at his creation and he said, what? It is, it's good. Every day. He created Adam. It says that he took man, he put him in the garden uh, to, to work it and to take care of it. Now, I don't know how long Adam was alone in the garden. Don't know how long he was there alone, working, taking care of it, enjoying the perfection of it. I know there was nothing to mar his enjoyment of it. He could not have been sad. He could not have been depressed. He could not feel alone because he didn't know the meaning of being alone. He couldn't have been left because there was nobody else to lead him. So, he had everything he needed including a relationship with God that wasn't distorted by sin. But God looked at the situation. God looked at Adam. And the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. 
I will make a helper suitable for him. But among all the livestock and the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, there was no suitable helper found. And so scripture tells us that God made woman. And since I know that God is sovereign, I hope you know that too. And and I know before the foundation of the world, God's plan was in place. I know that Eve was not an afterthought. I know that God didn't one day look at Adam and say, oops, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, Look at that poor guy. He's miserable. I'm going to have to do something to help him out. No. It was God's intention that Adam be created first. It was his intention that for a time Adam would be alone in the garden and then he would have a helper. Why? I don't know. But perhaps it was so Adam and every other human being, including you and me who would come after him, would know that we are not designed to be on our own. We are not complete on our own. And I know that Hebrew word for helper that's used to describe the woman that God would create and call Eve does not imply weaker. It does not imply stronger. The focus of the word is that the helper provides help and strength where the one being helped may lack. And so what God did in creating woman and Eve was to to complement Adam in her role. And this isn't just for marriage. This is for life together in community. We need each other. And that's why scripture talks about different gifts. You can read 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14 for yourself. You and I, we all have different gifts and we, we pool them so that together we complement each other and we become a healthy whole. We need each other. It's interesting in this situation, God didn't speak directly to Moses as he usually did. He didn't do that. God spoke to Moses through this man, his father-in-law, named Jethro, which only reinforces the point being made. And that is, we need other people to help us carry our burdens. As great as Moses was, he didn't have it all. Jethro, surely a lesser, surely a lesser man than Moses, helped him see his need and was able to encourage and instruct and help Moses. And that's why, look, No one here, none of us, are insignificant. Every believer in Christ, if you're a believer in Christ, you have the Spirit of God. Scripture says so. And so together we listen to and we learn from each other and we value the input of other people who are also filled with the Spirit of God. I guarantee you that while I'm talking about burdens this morning, There are people here today who are actually carrying very heavy burdens, very real burdens, medical burdens, financial burdens, relational burdens. And they will hear differently. They will engage differently than those of you right now this morning who may have a relatively burden-free life, who may even be tuning this out because it's not uh, scratching where you itch. And those people who are experiencing a burden right now, they, they, they could speak about this in ways I cannot. They have insight and application that may not have ever occurred to me because I'm not carrying that heavy burden right now. And that's why we need each other. And that's why we have to have each other. Any one of us, on our own, our perspective is limited in what we see, in what we understand. The Spirit of God isn't going to give it all to any one person. Even Moses needed Jethro to show him what he couldn't see, 
to organize, how he had not thought to organize. Moses was well-intentioned, trying to help the people. But how he was doing it was wearing them all out. It took someone else to show him that. And in humility, Moses received that help. And if you and I can't humble ourselves before each other, if we can't reach out for help from each other, we will never experience the help and the burden relief that God has designed us to have. We have to be just as willing to ask for help as we are to give it. Galatians 6, 2 says, Carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. And what did he say that was? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We enable each other to do that when we carry one another's burdens. This is how we'll be a blessing to those around us. By being humble people who are acutely aware of our need and our incompleteness. You know, proud people, proud people are very often unapproachable people. You may respect them. You may look up to them, but you can't go to them. Something about them is off-putting and seems unreal and not authentic. And where you and I promote independence, where you and I promote a do-it-yourself mentality, where you and I dismiss words like have been spoken here this morning, then we say that we know better than God. The God who has created us and said, you need each other. It is not good for man to be alone. And when you and I are proud and independent and proud of it because we are so self-sufficient, what do we communicate to the world around us, to the community around us about church and the gospel? Here's what we communicate. Proud, independent, self-sufficient people. We communicate, well, you better get your act together like we have our act together before you come and join us. And instead of being gracious and welcoming, we become hard and rigid and demanding, and naturally so. We demand of others what we demand of ourselves. We require of others what we require of ourselves. But if you and I can admit our weakness... If we can, if we can admit our need, we will draw to us other people who need to, who want to admit their weakness and their need. And when we, humble, needy people, really truly get the gospel, when we know that we must have Jesus to lift our burden of sin or be crushed, And when we know that we must have each other, and when we humbly acknowledge without shame, I can't carry my burdens alone. Walls are broken down, and help is not far behind. From a Savior who says to us all, you can't, but I can. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for the truth of your word. Father, we thank you for the way you have designed us because we are of your design. It can be nothing but good. 
And Lord, you have designed us to, to need Christ. He, he is our only way to you. He is the only one who can deal with our sin problem. And so we give you thanks for him. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were willing to come in the flesh, to take on our sin, to have it piled on you, to be crushed by it, to carry it away from us. Lord, please, we, we pray that we would never lose sight of what you have done for us. That we would never be anything less than, than joyful and lighthearted because of the salvation that we have in you. And Lord, by your design, we need each other. And so if to be American means that we have to be proud and independent and self-sufficient, if that's what we honor as a culture, I pray that you will expose the, the, the sin and the error of that to us because it's not the truth. You have designed us to need one another, to need a family, to need to love and to support one another. It's how we get through this world and into the next. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us commit ourselves to one another that we would be sensitive to, to the needs of each other. And Lord, where there's need that there would be those standing ready to help, that we would not watch from the side, but that we would actively uh, be in the lives of those that need help. And Father, for those who are here this morning that are proud and independent, who have need, I pray that you would help them see it's no shame to need others. We're given the courage and the boldness to say, I can't, will you help me? Father, in this way, I pray that we would bless one another. And in this way, Lord, as a watching world sees how we love and treat and help and support one another as a family, I pray that they would be drawn to that. Because, Lord, everyone around us, they're needy, and ultimately they need you. So bless us in this way, Lord. Uh, bless the community around us in this way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.